This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Are you grooving yet? You are listening to Boogie Wonderland by Chicago's own Earth, Wind, and Fire. The group lies at the intersection of disco and funk and rose to prominence in the 1970s. Now, the 1970s and 80s Chicago was a time of change in music and in culture. Disco's meteoric rise in popularity captivated partygoers of all backgrounds, particularly the city's black and queer communities. However, not all establishments were accepting of people's true selves, showing prejudice against people who simply just wanted to boogie down. The latest edition of WBEZ's Curious City dives into this history, and we are joined now by J.P. Swenson, the reporter on this project. Hey, J.P. Hello. Welcome. So set the scene for us. What was disco like during its heyday in Chicago? Yeah, well, it was certainly bustling. Um, You have kind of what you would expect from a disco scene in a big city. You have the culture, the fashion, the music. Um, But in Chicago, it was really interesting because there were kind of two scenes that were happening. There was like this near north side scene that was predominantly white. And then you have this underground scene, which kind of laid the roots for house music down the road. And that trajectory um, is fascinating to me. And we talk all about it in the episode. Yeah. Who were the major characters that put the life in the city's disco nightlife? Well, there were many. Um, It was kind of (laughs) hard to narrow it down to just a few for this episode. I can imagine. Yeah, the first being the club owners. um, One we had talked about is Eddie Dugan, who was this like larger than life character who owned uh, Dugan's Bistro, this Mm -hmm. like super popular discotheque on the near north side. Um, And, you know, he had just these outrageous parties there. Um, And then you also have the DJs um, in in the underground scene, like Frankie Knuckles um, and Ron Hardy, who really innovated with technology to make this music. Um, kind of into something new, into house music. Yeah. Um, well, as you talked there about, about Dugan's Bistro in, in River North, I know there was a performer known as the Bearded Lady. Yes. Yeah, so the Bearded Lady was this drag performer who um, this kind of represents a time when drag was becoming a little bit more mainstream. It started to kind of look like what we see now. Um, but the Bearded Lady's resident uh, discotheque was uh, Dugan's Bistro. And um, it kind of represented this uh, movement into mainstream drag culture. Mm-hmm. Why were communities so separate during this time? What is this disco demolition I'm hearing about? Yeah, so I think it's important to note that um, these two scenes that were kind of happening, um, there were queer people of color who went to the near north side, um, and some of the discotheques on the near north side actually were predominantly uh, black. And um, while that's true, there was also this underground scene that uh, queer people of color were really um, you know, building up, and I think they started to kind of just feel like, why go to the near north side to be disrespected when we have this beautiful scene that's happening in our own, uh, mm. you know, culture? And it kind of just went from there. The This period of disco from the, the 1970s into the 80s, a lot of society changed. Drug culture became more widespread and AIDS just heavily impacted the gay community. How did that affect the queer disco scene? It, like, definitely had an impact. Um, I think one thing that I found early in reporting this story is that a lot of the people that I was hoping to talk to, um, unfortunately, had passed away. And um, these are stories that I think it's really important to make sure that they don't disappear and that we don't just have this lost generation of queer people um, whose life is never talked about. Yeah. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We are discussing the history of disco in Chicago. In fact, let's just hear a little bit more music. Last 
All right, so in its latest episode, WBEZ's Curious City took a look at the disco scene in Chicago in the 1970s and 80s. We've been speaking with Curious City Luminary Fellow J.P. Swenson, staying with us. Now let's introduce Lori Branch, DJ, music historian, and host of Vintage House on Northwestern University's WNUR. Welcome to Reset. Thank you for having me. So what made disco catch on so much easier and rise in popularity I would say, compared to other dance genres like soul and funk or even rock? You know, I think there is something to be said for the rhythm of disco that's, that has a steady sort of four-to-the-floor beat uh, that yes. carries you through the night. It's hypnotic. You know, it's, There's literally no choice no. but to dance. Exactly. And it's, <laughs> and it's happy music. You it know, is. The, it's different than the blues and rock, and, you know, th- there's a softness to it. Uh, but there's also, a, a, you know, just an energy that is attractive to everyone. What artists were big in the Chicago world of of disco? Oh, my goodness. So many. Uh, It's hard. You know, sort of the usual suspects you can think of, Donna Summers, you were just playing. We certainly heard a lot of that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think of Tavares. I think of Saturday Night Fever. You know, uh, many of the groups who were on that. That was my first taste, you know, as a sophomore in in high school. I wasn't quite old enough to see the movie, but I could buy the album. And (laughs) (laughs) it was really important. You know, there are some more underground artists like Tana Gardner and, you Mm -hmm. know, folks who came out of Salso, uh, Prelude, some of those really popular uh, record labels. I see JP is lighting up as you're (laughs) you're listing all these names. Yes. What was Chicago's black disco community like? Like, where did they go to dance? Well, I I think that, uh, I mean, I was, I was, too young to go to some of those clubs like in the mid-70s, like they mm-hmm. had over in the Paradise Garage in New York or, you know, Studio 54. But as I came of age, uh, the places we went to dance were the warehouse, uh, the power plant a couple of years later. And this is sort of at that era where you you had disco music infused with other styles of music. Sort of the early 80s is when I sort of entered that scene. Yeah. And JP, what, what was the setup at, at venues like the warehouse? Like, Was it just a DJ and a dance floor? Well, there was um, a big focus on state-of-the-art sound and lighting, which was um, heavily inspired by New York, um, their kind of disco scene. And um, I'll let Lori also kind of talk a little bit about the setup because I think she really painted a picture for us in the episode. Oh, yeah. The warehouse was a three-story building, 206 South Jefferson, where um, you walked into an up narrow flight of stairs and that music would sort of be thumping from the street all the way into the entrance. You go through a... A, a huge sort of lobby area, hang oh. out, then down. Well, and the was dance it a, floor. was it different sounds per floor, or no, was, was the music just, just pumping throughout? It the was building? pumping throughout the building, and you know you've got this sort of the resonance of it on the other floors, but the second floor, which was the ground floor, is where it happened, and you walk down into that music, and you're just swallowed up, and everybody loved it. What did it mean to you being inside that building? You know, this was an important building in my story because it's where I sort of came out uh, as a as a bisexual person. Uh, and I uh, found safety there. I found community there. I found friends there, uh, which is difficult to do back in 1980. You didn't have gay-straight alliances in high school. Um, if you wanted to find a community, you had to go to one of these types of places to do so. And so you felt safe to do so at the warehouse? Absolutely. Very safe. I mean, it was, it was welcoming. It was welcoming to me and my friends. You know, I was kind of the singular girl in a group of guys who were all also trying to find themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And we 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 found we found that place. And it was something that stick, stuck with us for life. When did you realize that you wanted to be a DJ? Being at the warehouse, listening to Frankie <laughs> Knuckles. Oh, yes. Yeah. We would hear Frankie and my friend Jean-Pierre Campbell was my buddy in high school. 
And uh, we would listen to Frankie. We'd buy records. Like, we, what was that song? We'd have to go. You didn't have a way to sort of Shazam. I was just going to say, where was Shazam back then? <laughs> <laughs> you just had to go to the record store and sort of hum it. And they go, okay, I know what you're looking for. <laughs> and then the record store started stacking music, saying, "This is the stuff they play at the warehouse. You know, you know, you knew where to go to that section." And not too long. After this disco era, a new mm-hmm. form of music emerged in Chicago nightlife. How did disco go on to eventually become what we recognize as house music? You know, I think it was a, a morphing of genres that happened over a period of time. And we call it the house music culture because the same people who were sort of in that disco era mm-hmm. sort of moved that moved that with the technology with the personalities into sort of this new format you know how do we take something that's familiar and make it technologically different you know using the newest uh, uh drum drum machines and different types of equipment to uh, just you know add something to it what do you love about house music jp first of all i love how you opened your uh <laughs> your, your curious city piece with the Beyonce, who's oh, yeah. now taken taken it on in, in yeah. sort of new form, right? Yeah, I think there's a lot to love. Um, and when reporting this piece, I I felt very honored talking to the people who kind of um, brought this music from the discotheques like the Warehouse, um, these underground clubs like the Warehouse, and brought them to you know young black kids on the South and West sides who just you know took it in their bedrooms and turned it into something that we still adore today, and it just changed the whole trajectory of dance music in the world. And yeah. I think that's so interesting. As we talk about Beyonce, what do you think, Lori, about Beyonce's take on house music? You there know, was such an uproar when she came out with that album last summer. Quite quite an uproar on many levels. On many levels. <laughs> I, I, I heard arguments on both sides. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, listen, I'm a huge fan. And when she made the announcement, you know, that she, Cure Community you know, had a lot to do with this genre, we were very happy. And, and, and uh, there was some, you know, a lot of straight folks who were saying, wait a minute, we were part of that, too. So <laughs> I, I like yeah. to say she was correct. And there are more stories from all sides of the community. So with your, your Curious City piece, JP, what, do you, what would you say are the biggest takeaways, especially for someone who's maybe heard of disco, but they never really experienced it or never knew what it really meant to Chicago. Yeah, I think about when I was talking to my dad about this piece and he was like, oh, I hate disco. And, <laughs> and I think, um, I know, but, uh, you know, I, I had a similar outlook when I just started, but I think it's important to recognize the uh, importance of music that just serves the purpose of escapism and of bliss. I think there is a big impact that dance music has on our world and our society. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is important. And it's okay to like disco music and house music. It's fun to like those things. Is that what you're trying to have listeners take away from this piece? Um, among other things, I think certainly. And I think that's something that this, you know, reporting on this piece really taught me is just don't be so pretentious about music. <laughs> <laughs> Will you forever have disco fever? I, I will. I will. My parents were so mad and they used those terms exactly. Stop bringing that disco fever in this house. I was infecting the whole house. Why are parents hating on disco? Oh, man. They did not like it one bit. It was that bad music, wasn't uh-huh, it? Uh-huh. Well, it kept me out pretty late. That's for sure. That is, that is, when you're at three level clubs? Uh-huh. Till eight in the morning. 
<laughs> uh, JP, where can folks check out this Curious City feature? Yeah, so wherever you get your podcasts, um, the episode is out. Um, you can also visit WBEZ.org, where we will be having a deep dive into the drag history of Chicago, along with this piece, which um, our digital producer, Maggie Civit, did a fantastic job pulling together. So. Love that. JP Swenson is the Luminary Fellow for WBEZ's Curious City, and Lori Branch is a DJ, music historian, and host of Vintage House on Northwestern University's WNUR. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. All right, my bias keeps showing on this show. Here's more Beyonce. (laughs) I'm in the mood to roll something.